Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oh, okay. This is um, Sunday the um, mm -mm, 16th, right? Okay. Not good with the math. A little slow, but <clears throat> we're getting there. Okay, last week, <clears throat> we ended up spending time looking in Judah's closet, his um, closet of skeletons, <laughs> and um, Judah did have a pile of stuff in there. Thank God that they weren't under the law. Um, the law had not been given yet. The Ten Commandments were not there. They all live under grace, the same grace you and I live under. We live under the Abrahamic covenant, not under the Mosaic covenant. And um, so Judah and um, Joshua, um, I mean, listen, Judah and all his brothers lived under the um, lived under the Abrahamic covenant, which is grace, um, grace by faith. And um, so, um, thank goodness for that, because Judah had a potload of stuff. But as it ended up, you know, he slept with his daughter-in-law Tamar unbeknownst to him, and she had twins, Perez um, and Zohar, and Zohar and Perez actually end up going into Egypt with Jacob, but um, Perez is the line of Jesus. Mm. You know, I mean, you look at the line of Jesus, and you go, holy moly, Jacob to Judah to Perez, and every story so far has been um, spectacularly um, Hollywoodish. Oh my, yeah, this is like, there's not a soap opera anywhere that could equal, um, you know, what all they, they did. Oh my gosh, no. So, anyway, <clears throat> so Judah, who was also, while he did try to save Joseph, didn't go home and tell his dad what his brothers had done. He did help his brothers kill the goat and put blood all over the, all over the, coat of many colors, and then send a servant home, chickens that they were, to tell him that Joseph was dead. And um, so, so he was a part of all that, too. Um, and then we come back to Joseph. Um, why this chapter is interjected here about Judah, everybody goes, eh, I don't know. Other than it's just, you know, you're trying to keep the storylines going and you want to keep them going at the same time. <coughs> um, they don't believe that Judah's story was chronological in that, okay, Joseph got sold and then Judah had all this happen. They think that all this was going on at the same time that Joseph was born and, you know, but Judah's life was going on too and this is, you know, the way it turned out for Judah. But um, anyway, it's in there. So we dealt with it and now we're back to Joseph in Egypt. Joseph is sold. He's only 17 years old. And what I find so interesting is, is of all those brothers, and his dad included, how he came to love the living God like he did, I don't know. Um, Jacob um, recognized the living God, knew that God had worked in his life, but Jacob never called on God in the middle of his troubles. God just showed up. But God would always show up because 
He's tied to um, Abraham and Isaac. And Jacob is the seed of the nation of Israel. So because he had promised Abraham a great nation would come from his loins, he's got to be faithful to Jacob, and he is. You know, grace, that grace thing. And um, so even though Jacob has made all these ridiculous decisions over his lifetime, God has still been faithful. And <clears throat> I heard um, somebody else teaching on Jacob this weekend. He came to the same conclusion I did. Jacob could have had a much easier life if he just listened to God in the first place. But he didn't. I mean, God would tell him exactly what to do, and Jacob wouldn't do it. Jacob did what Jacob wanted to do, and then he wanted God to bless it. And God couldn't bless when you're out from under the, the will of God. He can't bless you. And so he ends up with, um, with a, a daughter raped. He ends up with the woman that he loves the most, having to work 14 years for her, covenant broken, living with his shyster father-in-law, Laban, who tried to steal him blind. And um, then he had to run from Laban in fear. He couldn't even leave peacefully after 20 years. Then he has to face a brother that he's, um, you know, just, yeah, did his own shyster. He's reaped what he's sown everywhere he's been. Then instead of, God kept saying, go to Bethel, go to Bethel, go to Bethel. Where does he camp? Shechem. And not only did he camp there, he bought land there and moved in for six years. Then his daughter gets raped. And you go, well, my goodness. What would have happened if you'd gone to Bethel? Shechem, the, the guy who the town's named after, wasn't there. I doubt she would have been raped, you know. But then the sons trick Shechem and end up murdering the whole community and taking all their wives, children, cattle, and everything, slaves, which made Jacob stink in the presence of all these Canaanites, Hivites is what they were. But um, So then Jacob has to flee, run for his life again, because there are more of them than there were of him. He finally gets to Bethel, you know, and um, things start to straighten out. But um, Benjamin is born, and then Rachel dies. The love of his life is gone. And then he's got all these sons that are just absolutely ridiculous, you know. And then the famine hits. And um, so two years into the famine, now he's got to send his sons to Egypt to get grain. So that's Jacob's story. It's been a miserable life for him, but it didn't have to be. If he just listened, he'd have been okay. But he didn't. He was doing things his own way. The proverb says it this way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end therein is death. You know, you don't want to go the way that seems right to a man. You want to go the way that seems right to God. Because that's the winner. So anyway, Joseph, 17 years old, sold into slavery. He is the one and only son who has a passionate and a loving relationship with the living God. And he has it. Without a doubt, he has it. And um, so Joseph ends up in a really terrible situation, a slave at the age of 17 with no hope of ever returning home, no hope of ever seeing his family again. But because he loved God, grace rested on him. The favor and the full blessings of God were flowing in his life. Um, now, there's a spiritual law involved here. And, and it affects us, because like I said, we're still, on, we're still in the Abrahamic covenant. So I want to go and look at New Testament scripture, because this applies to us as well. Um, you know, sometimes you find yourself in 
um, positions that are not happy. You either have a boss you don't like, people you're working with that you can't stand. Your job gets to be untenable at times. You think, I can't do this anymore, you know. Um, and what happens is you find yourself in that negative circle and then you suck yourself down the vortex because you end up complaining and worrying and fretting and things don't get better, they get worse because of your heart attitude. And um, so we need to learn this lesson. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're employed or whether you're retired. You end up in situations, at least I have, that I'm just going, oh my gosh, how did I get here, you know? And some of it's untenable, but you're dealing with human beings. And um, so you have to have a, a certain attitude about them to turn the tables on the enemy. So go to Ephesians 6. Start in Ephesians 6. <clears throat> Is that where I want to be? Yeah, Ephesians 6. Start uh, just a couple verses here. And then it's going to be repeated in Galatians. This was such an, or Colossians. This is such an important lesson that Paul even rewrites this same message to um, the Colossians. But he starts it in the, in, uh, in the letter to the Ephesians. And um, he says, verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and in singleness of heart, as unto Christ. You, you've been given a job, you've been given a position, you've been given an opportunity, whatever it is. And there's somebody that's over you. Or somebody that's working with you. But your job is not about other people. It's not even about your boss. It's not even about your company. It's about you doing for God what you've been placed there to do. So if it's clean toilets, you clean toilets so shiny that Jesus would go, man, let's put those in heaven. You know, I mean, whatever the job is, no matter how stinky it is, you do it so that when God looks at you, when Jesus Christ looks at you, he goes, brother, that's awesome. Whatever the job is, you know, don't complain about your bosses. Don't, don't complain about that. Praise God for your job and then do whatever it is he's called you to do to the very best of your ability. Not for the sake of your boss or for the sake of your company, but because you're a steward of what God has put in your life, a job. Okay? So, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, as men pleasers. In other words, don't just do great stuff so that somebody can see you do it. You do the great things when nobody's looking. But as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as unto the Lord and not to men. When you can get up every day and say, Lord, I'm going to this job even though it stinks. Or I'm, I'm getting up and I know I have to deal with this, 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 and this today even though it stinks. I'm going to do it for you. And I want you to be proud of me. When I get to the end of the day, I want you to be pleased. You can say, well done, good and faithful servant. So you, you start to turn the table on the enemy. You know. All right, go to, um, let me see which way I want to go here. 
Um, go to Colossians next, chapter 3. It's about six pages over. And this is almost, this is almost an exact repeat of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. So obviously it's important. Colossians 3? Chapter 3, yep. This is the one we all know. Verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Okay? In all that you do. Now skip down to verse 22. Sounds like exactly a repeat. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he that does wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done. And there is no respecter of persons. So I'm going to say it to you like this. People who have a wrong attitude or a bad attitude end up reaping exactly what they've sown. Um, I got to the point where I couldn't even go in the faculty lounge for because of the seed that was being sown in the faculty lounge. Nice, nicest way I can put it. So I had to stay out of that. you know, And I had to just stay in my room ministering to kids. Because that's what God wanted me to do. Just minister love to kids. So that's what I did. But you have to, um, and sometimes it's hard to avoid that, but um, don't entertain it. Don't entertain the complaining, the whining, the don't entertain it. Not even in yourself. You know, if you're whining, sometimes, you know, I have to just tell myself to shut up. But, um, yeah, don't entertain it. All right, go to Galatians 6. Start with verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh will reap of the flesh corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And um, I'm going to add this. Every time you want to complain about something, bless, speak a blessing over your boss. Speak a blessing over your circumstances. Speak a blessing over your neighbors. Speak a blessing over whatever it is that you want to um, scream about or complain about. Speak the blessing over them. Because eventually you're going to sow that, you know. I mean, it, it is, whatever comes out of your mouth has creative power. And um, so you want to be sure that you are blessing. And if you, if you bless your company or you bless your neighborhood or you bless your neighbors, those blessings are going to come back and flow in your direction. Eventually they will, you know. 
So they'll be blessed and you'll be blessed in the blessing of it. For a company, if you're working for a company, bless your company, bless your boss. Because when they're blessed, then you're blessed. You know, the company doesn't dry up, the money keeps coming, you keep your job, you know, you get your raise. And when you have that attitude, then God's favor can rest on you. And when the favor of God's on you, then promotion and prosperity and all the blessings of God go with you right in there. No matter what the world says, no matter how bad it looks. So here's little Joseph. And he's going into Egypt and he's going to be a slave for the rest of his life. A lot of reasons to, to complain. All of his brothers turned on him. All ten brothers turned on him and sold him into slavery. A lot of things to complain about. My family that stinks. My brothers are rotten. Now I'm in slavery. Who am I going to end up being a slave to? A free man, suddenly a slave. And it turns out to be Potiphar. So let's just start in, go back to, uh, to um, Genesis 39. Because Joseph did exactly what I'm telling you. Joseph blessed his master. Joseph didn't work that job with resentment and anger. Joseph went at that job trusting God and he blessed his master. And in turn, they were both blessed. So start with verse 1 in chapter 39. Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. Okay, now, um, underline captain of the guard, because we're going to come back to that in a minute. So just kind of make a note of that, captain of the guard. That was part of his job. He was a lot of things for Pharaoh. But captain of the guard was one of them. I have a captain and chief. Yeah, that works. Executioner? Was um, yeah, well, captain of the guard of is... the royal uh, guard. Chief executioner yes, yes, of the royal guard. Yes, and um, he was over the prison. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, that's the thing that makes this important, is he was over the prison. Okay. So, and the Lord was with Joseph. In other words, that grace, that favor rested on Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So everything that he set his hands to prospered. Doesn't matter if you're the boss or the peon. If God is with you, whatever you set your hands to, it's going to prosper. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hands. Clearly, Joseph had let this man know that he was a servant of the living God because he recognized Yahweh. The Lord there is the word Yahweh or Jehovah, however you want to say it. Okay, and literally this phrase says, and Potiphar experienced and enjoyed the experience um, of having God make all that Joseph did prosper. Okay, and Joseph attained grace and favor from Potiphar. Um, so that's the next one. And Joseph, verse 4, found grace in his sight, and he served him. 
And he, Potiphar, made him seer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hands. That, that word seer could also be steward. Um, uh, you see Jesus um, when he says, uh, I, I have the keys to the kingdom, I have the keys to the kingdom. That is Jesus being the steward over the house of his father. And the steward is a very powerful man. He is the one who allows access to the master, whoever it is. He's the one that opens the door to let you in or shuts the door to keep you out. He is the man that has access to all of the riches of the master. He is the one that decides who gets what and who doesn't. And um, so Joseph became the, the steward over Potiphar's house. He would have carried the key on his right shoulder. And he would have had the key to the treasury, the key to everything, and the power and authority to execute all decisions. Okay, so here's Joseph again, another picture of Jesus as the, the man with the keys, right, that you see in, in Revelations. Um, so Joseph then becomes the second most powerful man in Potiphar's house, who in himself is a powerful man. Um, so, so this is the way it goes. Um, and this is the covenant we live under. God told Abraham, he said, Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Okay? So, in other words, if, you're, if whoever's over you is blessing you, then my hand of blessing is on them. But if he takes away from you and denies you and curses you, then I'll remove my hand from him. And the blessings will no longer flow in his life either. So, um, Potiphar blessed... Um, Potiphar was blessed by Joseph because... Potiphar blessed Joseph. So Potiphar prospered greatly. And then enter Satan. <laughs> because Satan can't stand that. To see a servant of the living God um, win. And guaranteed, if you're working for the Lord, Satan's going to show up <clears throat> in the disguise of somebody. <clears throat> so be careful. This time it was Potiphar's wife who had great lust in her heart for Joseph. She thought he was totally hot. But she made passes at him, and Joseph ran from her. <clears throat> because he said, I will never do this to my master. So let's just read the story here. Um, let me just look at verse 5, and we'll keep reading. And it came to pass, from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not all he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master knows not what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. And there's none greater in this house than I. Neither has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he listened to her not to lie with her or to be with her. 
And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of the house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. And he came in to me to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left this garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spoke to him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which you have brought unto us came in to me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spoke unto him, saying, After this manner did they, uh, did your servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Okay. You know, Joseph had been so completely faithful and had prospered Potiphar and had done all good to Potiphar. And for something that wasn't even his fault, Potiphar throws him into prison, takes away everything, and throws him into prison. Now, if it was me, I'd be going, what is going on here, Lord? Because, I mean, I've been doing everything I could to bless you and to bless this man. So why am I here in this prison? I'd be wondering that. Because you and I can't see past the storm. We just see this much, okay? That's all we can see, the mess we're in. But we can't see to the other side. But God does. And it was funny because when I got to this place, the Lord said, yeah, well, I'm Joseph's GPS. Have you ever followed your GPS? And you end up going, like, uh, you get into a town and you go right, and then the next block you go right again, and the next block you go right, and you go, I'm back where I started. What's going on? And then you keep following, and then you go left, and then you go right. And you think you're never going to get where you're going, and you have no idea where you're going. You're just trusting that GPS right. And, and all the time you're going, if I, if I knew how, I'd stop listening to her, but I, I can't. So God says, I'm, I am Joseph's GPS. God's purposes served. I went, wow, because he can see from the satellite. He has a satellite view of your life and mine. And even though we have no idea what's happening, he knows. Now think about this. If Joseph had stayed with Potiphar and been blessed, Joseph would have lived and died in Potiphar's house. He had to get out of Potiphar's house to that prison because that's the only connection that Joseph would have ever had to Pharaoh because the two servants of Pharaoh were in that prison, came into that prison, which brought him to Pharaoh. If he had not gone to that prison, he would never have gotten to Pharaoh. So God knew what he was doing, you know. God knew. And um, so he puts Joseph in the prison. And Joseph continues, even in that mess, to um, trust the living God. And even though he's in the mess, the favor of God has never left Joseph. It never left him. Now, I, I wonder about Potiphar and all this. You know, if he, you know, happy wife, happy life, whatever. And maybe he did, didn't believe 
the story that she told him. But if she lust, was lusting after him and had his garment, he sure didn't need to be leaving Joseph in the house, you know? He was still going to have to deal with it. He had to do something. So he put him into prison. All right, let's just um, start reading and go right down into chapter 40. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. In other words, they rose, put him in charge of the prisoners. So he wasn't in the prison chained up somewhere. He was in charge of all the prisoners. He got promoted almost immediately to a good spot. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So no matter where Joseph was, even in the middle of that prison, God's favor was all over him. And even in the middle of the prison, he was promoted. Now, the reason I wonder about Potiphar is because Potiphar is mentioned again and again, the captain of the guard. Potiphar was over that prison. And I wonder if Potiphar didn't have a little bit to do with that too. Because of Joseph's favor, he didn't put him in there as a low man, but said, watch Joseph. He's a man that's going to prosper. And I'm sure when they took Joseph to prison, he opened his mouth and said, I did not do that. Oh, I'm sure he did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm sure so he did. I would agree that Potiphar mm-hmm. probably trusted probably, him. Probably, yeah. You know, but Potiphar was going to have to deal with it because she'd made such a mess of it with in front of all the other servants mm-hmm. and in front of all the people. So Potiphar, I think maybe in a way, was still looking out for Joseph in however he could. He doesn't ever get the credit for it, and I'm not going to give him the credit for it, but I do wonder. Um, Look at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against the two of his officers. Um, Against the chief baker, uh, the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard. In other words, put him in prison. Into the prison. The very place where Joseph was bound. And that word bound doesn't mean tied up. It means locked up. Okay. In other words, he can't leave there. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. And he served them and they continued a season in the ward. So the captain of the guard knew these really high up guys in, um, in Pharaoh's court were in his jail. So he appoints Joseph. He said, just take special care of these guys because they're Pharaoh's men. Okay. And Joseph was not a servant to them in the sense of being um, a slave to them. The word sharath means attend to or minister to. Um, like you would take care of animals, you know, somebody that was taking care of animals in the stall. He was uh, the caretaker for these guys um, to see that they were okay. And um, so it wasn't that he was a slave or a servant to these men, but rather that he was the caretaker of these men um, just in case. And I could understand Potiphar hedging his bet just in case um, Pharaoh wants him back. 
um, he wants him to go and at least give a good report. <laughs> to a, I mean, you know, I'd be covering my rear end too. So he entrusts Joseph with these two men. And um, that became, those two men became the bridge and the lifeline. Not, not just for Joseph, but for all of Israel to Pharaoh. That was the connection. Um, so even though it looked horrible for Joseph to be cast into prison, God's GPS says you have to go this way in order to get you where I want you to be. And this is the way we're going to go. So you got to trust me. So sometimes when you find yourself in those situations, you go, how would I, I get here? Um, you have to know that God can see way beyond where you are. And don't let go of him and don't get discouraged and don't, um, you, you know, don't go away and lose your faith, but rather just knot the rope and hang on. You know, and just say, okay, Lord, if you're in this, I'm in this. We're in this together. I'm going to still do whatever I do as if unto you. With all the glory, I can do it. With all the might, I can do it. I want to bring you glory out of this. That's what I want. And um, so that was his heart attitude. And out of that heart attitude, oh my gosh, um, wow, um, Joseph ends up second in command under Pharaoh. Come on. You know, a little Jewish boy. You never would have thought that in a million years. So it starts with the dreams. And there are two dreams here. Um, so we're just going to read really fast through these dreams all the way to the end of this chapter. Um, verse 5. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We've dreamed a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. And Jesus said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? And that's Yahweh, Jehovah. Tell me then, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters, therefore, brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head and restore you unto your place. And you will deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when you were his butler. But think on me when it is well with you and show kindness, I pray you, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I have three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost baskets there were all manners of bakements for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said this, This is the interpretation thereof. 
three baskets or three days. Yet within three days will Pharaoh lift up your head from off of you. And you will hang on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from off of you. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. And yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. So, two dreams here. I find interesting that it's about the bread and the wine. Um, I think there's a promise here um, of deliverance for Joseph in these dreams. Um, Jesus' body was broken. He was hung on the tree. Okay? Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree so the blessings of Abraham can come on the Gentiles. That's Galatians 3. Um, so in this dream, if you look at it in a prophetic sense, or even, you know, for Joseph, the promise of that covenant, the blood and, and the, the bread and the wine, there it is kind of played out for us. The broken body, Jesus' body was broken. That man who had the bread on his head ended up being hung on a tree because that's what they did. Um, anyone who was... Who was um, um, hung was either hung by nailing him on a tree or being impaled on a tree. Those were the two ways they were hung. So um, um, when you think about Galatians saying, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham may come on the Gentiles. The interpretation of that dream and the dream of the butler were so that um, the blessings of Abraham could flow not only on Joseph, but on Pharaoh, and then all the way to um, Israel, all the way to the children of Israel, Jacob's family. Um, the blood, the crushed grapes, you know, in, is, that's always the sign of being a righteous man, uh, deliverance, um, you know, being made righteous or redemption, which... That butler was the one who caused Joseph to be redeemed from the prison. He's the one that brought him out, redeemed, and gave him right standing with, with Pharaoh. Um, but the accuracy of the second dream with the broken bread, the broken body, was also um, a promise there um, um, of accuracy that God was in the middle of this so that Joseph could be blessed, um, so the blessings of Abraham would flow. So to me, there's a lot of, of prophetic in that. Um, just interesting that it's a bread and wine story, you know. Um, and um, the interpretation that was on Joseph brought him out. So we'll stop there because I don't want to go into the next. Um, this, I want to give you some history. And it gets really complicated really fast. So um, next time we're going to stop and do some history because I want to straighten out the movie of Moses. And um, I saw it last night on another show. I think it was, what was it called? Um, I can't remember what it was called last night. And everybody has Ramses as the Pharaoh and um, so wrong, so wrong, so wrong, wrong time of history. So um, 
why was the guy, the president, why was he I think it was just Pharaoh's whim. I think it was just, you know, it was Pharaoh's birthday. He could do what he wanted. Um, so he picked a blessed one, blessed one, one, and cursed one. Yeah. And um, I just find it really interesting that the wine, um, the blood, that type is. of the blood, buys redemption. Um, but the, the body of Jesus was broken and cursed, you know, and hung on the tree which also brought for us the blessings of Abraham. So both of those dreams tie right back into the covenant that, that um, the Abrahamic covenant and um, Joseph being delivered and not only delivered but prospered, you know. So it was through the cup and the bread that, Jesus, that Joseph came to deliverance. And when Joseph came to deliverance, then he delivered all of Israel, although they just don't know it yet. That's why I said that GPS thing is so cool because God's seeing thousands of years in the future. But um, <clears throat> Joseph was a key in that. And um, so, yeah, I just, I just think there's a lot of type and shadow. If you, if you just took one verse, you could chew on it forever. And it just, you know, this, there's no end of it. There's no end of it. But um, I just found that one pretty, pretty powerful. Um, you know, the bread, you know, the bread and wine is always a part of the, the covenant of deliverance, redemption and blessing. That's what the covenant's about: redemption and blessing. And um, so, yeah, just um, hmm. and and there's so many things. I mean, Lord, my list of I don't even know how many things there were there of ways that Jesus mm -hmm. and Joseph were um, that was good. Thanks parallel. For mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Um, we'll just pick up there next week then, and but we'll start with history because we need to get, you know, you need to know exactly where he was and what he was doing because um, everything that happens from here on depends on the right history. And uh, Ramses lived hundreds of years before Joseph ever showed up there. The city of Ramses was already built. You know, it was thriving. It was a huge city. Um, basically, it falls into ruin um, over that 400-year period after Joseph dies. And, and um, so the children of Israel are trying to build it back up, but they're not building the city of Ramses, which is what the movies try to tell you is happening, but that's not so. Um, they were restoring a lot of the cities that had fallen into ruin because Egypt had fallen into ruin. And um, so anyway, yeah, that's, and, and so if you, if you don't understand the history, then even Exodus, the next book, doesn't, Joshua and the story of the Exodus makes no sense until you, you know, <coughs> until you understand the history of it. So we'll go there next week and um, then we'll get back on to Joseph again. Let me just pray for you. Father, I just want to thank you for everybody around this table, and thank you for family that's not here with us today. And, and I do speak your blessings over them, Lord. We just thank you so much that you have commanded those blessings to run us down and overtake us. And we receive those blessings. We say yay and amen to every promise that you've given us, Lord, so that we are truly blessed and are going out and are coming in, truly blessed and are lying down and are rising up, truly blessed in our baskets and our stores. 
prospered and our children and our children's children prospered and our animals um, and um, blessed in the things that we set our hands to. Lord, we are the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. And um, it's, all, it's all because of your grace and your mercy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you purchased those blessings for us um, by being broken on that tree. Lord, we, we just give you all the praise and the glory for that. Your gracious love for us, even when we're not lovely. Um, it just means so much to us. And Father, I ask that you empty us of everything that's flesh. Just pull down all the flesh in us. All our high-minded thinking, all of our uh, wrong ideas and wrong attitudes, Father. Just empty us of all of that. Um, cause us to look like you and so that when you bring people to us bring situations to us lord we're ministering um with your hands and your feet and your heart and your mouth lord um we just want you to get all the glory thank you lord that you've allowed us to be about the family business that you've trusted us with it um and we do we love you lord amen amen You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.